Welcome everyone. I'm Dr. Annie Ranking, one of the family resource specialists here at StarNet Regions 1 and 3. And we are starting our professional series for you all to listen to on our podcast. So today I have our first guest, Alex Jones, um, and I would just love to introduce her. She um, works in Peoria and she's going to give us a little bit more information about herself. So Alex, welcome. Thank you so much for coming. Hello. How's it going? Good. So can you just tell us a little bit about who you are professionally? Yes. So I am Alex Jones and I am a speech language pathologist at a school district. And I work primarily with kids who have autism. I work in two autism classrooms, K through four. And then I also have the luxury of working with the junior high students, fourth through eighth grade at another school. So I travel, and then I am also a speech pathologist at a private clinic in Peoria. And how long have you been a speech pathologist? Three years. Excellent. So as part of this series, we're asking professionals to share stories about their time in the field. So what stories would you like to share with our listeners about um, your work as a speech pathologist? Well... There's so many. (laughs) And when I first started, I did, um, before I became a speech therapist, I did an internship through a school district for a whole semester. And that's probably where I had most of my stories because I never went to public school. Um, And public schools do not have speech or, or private schools don't have speech pathologists or any sort of help like that. And so I think a lot of my stories felt or like my experiences felt weird or different or bizarre. So when I tell them that's where it's coming from, I felt that when I first started at the public schools that I was probably sheltered. So um, I was at a high school and I had one, I had an autism room and they were great. I mean, they were just hilarious. And I, forgot that really you can stay in school until you're, I think, 22 for your 22nd birthday is when you have to be out of high school if you have a uh, disability. Again, so, or even if you don't have a disability, I guess. And so um, I remember a, one of the autism students had asked me to homecoming because we were actually nearly the same age. I was 23 and he was 21. And he had this big crush on me and I didn't know what to do. And I felt (laughs) like it was unethical. I was like, oh my gosh. And you know, I had to say no. But then I forgot like outside of this, if I were a speech therapist, like, yes, he is technically like a peer. We're the same age. And so I didn't even think of it like that at all. And it was definitely one of my favorite programs I worked in. Um, was with the high school students. They are so much fun and it's more functional language and we get them out in the community. Um, They say some interesting things and ask a lot of interesting questions (laughs) about relationships, parties, you know, and it's funny because I think people forget that, okay, they have a disability, but they don't see past that. They're still teenagers or they're still young adults. They like to do all the things you know, I like to do. And so um, that was definitely an eye-opening experience. And um, and even now I work at uh, 
I don't like to say low income area. I don't know. I just, to me, it's, it, I don't know. I just, sometimes it, people will get the negative. They'll think, oh, low income, it's bad. And that's not really what I'm getting at, but um, lots of stories, which I can't really talk about, but lots of stories from those kids, um, just their lifestyles. It's so different than where I grew up out in the country over you know, in Edelstein, Illinois, like not even close to that kind of reality. And so there's a lot of stories about things like I see kids taking care of siblings or, you know, helping out around the home to help their parents pay bills. And, you know, there's something to be said for those kids. They're doing way more than I ever did. <laughs> and, you know, as a kid, I'm like, you guys work, you guys go to school, you take care of your kids. And you're, you're, you're in speech with me, you know, you're working with me and, you know, that's awesome. They do way more. And I don't think the kids get as much credit as they deserve sometimes, but. Absolutely. Yeah. That's just some of the things, I guess. So what are some of um, the things you might share with listeners who are parents listening to this, who have young children, who um, may be on the autism spectrum, may be receiving speech? What are some um, things that you might share with them um, about maybe the possible services they're receiving when they're in schools? I know that we're remote learning in a lot of places, just kind of some of your professional take on on kind of those young kids who have so many changes in their lives right now and kind of thinking about it from either the autism perspective, um, you working with children with autism or from the speech and, and young child perspective. Yeah, so honestly, I always try to drive this home because I think that sometimes when um, parents know that their kid is getting speech, they expect um, their kid to be talking right away or doing certain skills right away. This is a, it's a lot in, you know, language is a ton, a ton, a ton of learning. And um, when they're not in school, yeah, they're missing out on things, um, especially the social language. But what I cannot say enough is play, 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 play all the time. Like if you're um, playing with a kitchen set, if you're playing with a tool kit, you know, anything, because all of that stuff really drives language and language, you know, in return, it's like a cause and effect. If you're really promoting that language aspect during play and during everyday activities, such as um, cooking or getting dressed, then you start to see those things carry over. And I know it sounds silly because parents are always like, well, that's not work. Like we should be sitting here and drilling. And I just, I've never found a ton of good stuff or results from just drill. Not with that population. We might drill if your kid doesn't have an R sound, but we're working on language here. We're not working on speech sounds usually in the autism classrooms. Um, I use a lot of online stuff. I use a lot of cause and effect toys. Those seem to be very motivating because I try to avoid food if I can, because, um, and this, this might just be my kids that I have, but they tend to go for the candy and the cookies and the gummy bears and, you know, speech therapists also work on swallowing, which a lot of people don't know. 
And so I try to avoid those little things that kids can choke on and things like that. So I try to use like tops that, you know, spin and change colors or little ball pops you squeeze and it pops up in the air. It's different cause and effect toys to keep their attention. Pop the pirate is my number one right now. <laughs> I was going to say, what's your go-to right now? <laughs> the kids love pop the pirate. I got it at a garage sale and you can get it on Amazon for like no money. It, I mean, I have a kid that will play that all the time. She'll work and work and work for a, maybe an hour, like a long time just to play that game. So that's kind of what I do. I really think that, um, yes, the um, being remote is hard, but remote learning kind of forces the parent to be more involved with speech. I'm just, I'm just telling you how to drive the car, but the parent has to steer it, you know, and that's kind of how I feel. I'm parent coaching. I'm telling the parent, this is what I would do. How about you try it since I'm not there and let's see how it goes giving them different tools and things like that. So that's kind of what I've been doing. I make it less speech-like, I guess, when I'm online. It's more of the parent and it's sometimes intimidating because they're like, I can't do it. But a lot of my parents know their kids better than anybody else. Right. They're doing a great job. My parents are awesome. I can't complain. That's awesome. So one of the things that you have said several times so far that I um, would like to have just like, a definition clarification on for people who are listening. So you've said the idea that you're working on speech sometimes and that you're working on language sometimes. Can you define what it means to be working on speech and what it means to be working on language? Yeah, so it, it looks different for every kid. <laughs> That's a loaded question, but in general, when I think of a speech kid, I'm thinking an articulation disorder or uh, difficulty producing sounds. So I have a lot of kids. Um, Who like might not be able to say the letter R. Yeah, like R is a really sound. common one. Okay. And that's why I always use that as a definition or an example. A lot of kids can't say R's and S's and L's. So that's a speech kid. Otherwise, you know, they can create sentences and they can label and identify pictures and use synonyms. Um, but my language kids, they might not be able to describe. They might not be able to label or identify pictures, creating sentences, categorization, association. So in languages, everything is in a tiered system of language. You have to start at the very bottom with labeling because if you don't know what something is, I can't expect you to give me, you know, an association or a category or idioms, you know. So it goes from very basic concepts to higher level language that it's more abstract. So that's kind of what I'm into is the language stuff. And is that personally. mostly what is that mostly what you do is the language? Yes, mostly. But obviously as a speech therapist, we have to be flexible. So we work on stuttering and cluttering and swallowing and cog. You you just never know. Right, <laughs> right. <a> kid. <laughs> 
Um, well, Alex, this has been awesome. We just have one more question for you. Mm -hmm. If um, there is um, someone who is listening who has dreams of being a speech therapist or um, and a family member who is working with a speech therapist or starting to work with a speech therapist, what are things that you um, wish you would have known um, kind of starting in your profession, but then you kind of wish parents would know before starting working with a speech therapist? Yes. So something that I wish parents would know before starting with a speech therapist is be patient. <laughs> Things will happen. Um, remember that, you know, especially at a school, there are tons and thousands of kids in speech therapy, and there may only be 30 of us. And sometimes we're understaffed. We do try our best. Um, but at the same time, really fight for your kid. Um, and then if you want to be a speech therapist, my advice would be work hard as always. <laughs> that should be a rule for any profession. Right. Um, and, you know, you really have to have a heart for working with a ton of different populations, um, all, all people from all walks of life. And, really be flexible and don't limit yourself. A lot of people go into the profession saying, I'm only gonna work at a school and, or I'm only gonna work at a hospital. Um, you'll be surprised how much you'll love your job no matter where you're at. Um, and so I think that's one thing that I definitely would say for younger people that are interested in the profession. We can go so many different ways Deaf and hard of hearing, autism, strokes, swallowing patients, stuttering, cluttering. I mean, car accidents. We work with everybody and we are the unsung heroes. <laughs> so like when everybody gets off the ventilators with, you know, at the hospital or if you have COVID, you're working with a speech therapist. You, you better bet on it. So I think that you, if you're going into the profession, you will never, ever, ever regret your decision. It's so much fun and it's exciting, even if we are remote. Yes. <laughs> well, awesome. Um, Alex, thank you so much um, for joining me today. Are there any kind of last things that you want our audience to know? Um, I can think of at the moment. Actually, one thing, one thing. Mm-hmm. Because this, this has just been on my mind lately. Just very random. But if you ever see a person with a speech impediment or a difference or a difficulty or a language disorder, autism, whatever, um, say hello. Don't stare. Um, I really say just say hello and how are you doing? Because my kids feel so much more involved and my adults feel so much more involved when you just treat them like you would anybody else. So that is always one of the things I say. Say hello and how are you? Because it means a lot to a family. 